Welcome to this first day of the UN Water Conference. Everything you shall know about it without attending. I'm not live from New York, I'm not live from the beach, but I'm live from my studio. And here's the sentence which is, according to me, the sentence of the day. Here it is. Dear friends, this is more than a conference on water. It is a conference on today's world, seen from the perspective of its most important resource. This conference must represent a quantum leap in the capacity of member states and the international community to recognize and act upon the vital importance of water to our world's sustainability and as a tool to foster peace and international cooperation. From water as a key driver across economies and policy making, to the recognition of water and sanitation as a human right, from the integration of water and climate policies to an innovative approach in the use of water in food production, now is the moment for game-changing commitments to bring the water action agenda to life. Actually, it's not the only contribution of Antonio Gutierrez to the highlights of the day because he also came up with a four-step framework which is pretty impressive. I see four key areas to accelerate results and change the present situation. First, closing the water management gap. Second, massively investing in water and sanitation systems. Third, focusing on resilience. Don't worry, he didn't suddenly change voice, it's just that he switched to French, so I had to put you the English voiceover. We cannot manage this 21st century emergency with infrastructure from another age. And it means exploring new public-private partnerships across our work. To be noted here, he's one of the few speakers today who speaks about the involvement of the private sector pretty interesting. And fourth, addressing climate change. Climate action and a sustainable water future are two sides of the same coin. In other news, let's look at the three highlights of the day, which starts with number three. You can really feel that it is an international conference. Of course, because there's a lot of speeches which are pretty generic and which really address the problem with numbers and general facts but also because there's this regular mention of what is supposed to happen between countries, for instance, with transboundary water. Transboundary and international water cooperation. To support for transboundary water cooperation in different parts of the world. Transboundary water. Transboundary water cooperation. Transboundary and national water governance for infrastructure. Transboundary water management. Obviously, that's just a selection. There were many more. But the message here is that water has a geopolitical role, for instance... Water can be an instrument of peace and cooperation between countries. So one would expect that as part of the outcomes of this UN Water Conference, we would see some rules and maybe agreements on how to behave with this transboundary water, and that should even be part of the water agenda going forward. And indeed, some countries have already positioned themselves as leaders in these geopolitics of water, for instance, Israel, Singapore or China. I would be happy to share our experiences with countries who have an interest. I also welcome friends and partners to visit Singapore. Our neighbors are realizing that Israel is not the problem in the Middle East. Israel is the solution in the Middle East. Just imagine how many more countries could benefit if they sign the Abraham Accords and make peace with Israel. We are actively promoting international exchange and cooperation and continuously supporting developing countries in the fields of technology, information, scientific research 
and engineering in order to enhance their water governance and supply capacity. There's much more on that topic and I'll come back to it at the end because there are many sides to the same coin. But for now, let's switch to number two. I don't have a crystal ball and I cannot predict the outcome of this UN Water Conference. But there is one thing which I could hardly imagine not happening when I see how often it was mentioned by all the countries, and that is... In order to ensure that water stays permanently high on the political agenda, we reiterate the call for the appointment of a UN special envoy on water. Calling for the appointment of a special envoy of the United Nations for water. This initiative already has the support of 150 delegations. The establishment of a UN envoy for water. To appoint a UN special envoy for water. As well as the establishment of an office for a special envoy of the Secretary General for water. We hope that the loud call for the appointment of a special envoy will be heard. Well, I think it's going to be heard because it was repeated by almost everyone. The part which I'm not so sure to get is that having a special envoy for water isn't that special. We had one called Han Sung Su. I'm reading Wikipedia right now. He was the special envoy for water from 2013 to 2018. And I'm not quite sure it was spectacularly efficient. But anyways, we already found who would pay for it. In that spirit, I repeat our call for a UN special envoy for water. Germany is willing to contribute financially to this as well. So really, if that water conference doesn't end appointing a special envoy for water, well, you can imagine something really stupid that I would do and you can put it in the comments because I'm definitely sure it's going to happen. And number one. In the middle of many speeches which, as I already mentioned, could appear generic and really focused on facts and figures, a few had a strong call for action. And then you can debate if that action really makes sense or if it's over the top, but still it was a refreshing surprise like this example for Libya. Seawater, that is the solution that we see. Desalination of seawater. We aspire to see such a river pumping water from the sea into the desert to make it more habitable. I don't know why we should be looking for water on Mars when we can easily desalinate seawater. Tuvalu's message was along the same lines. Innovations and lessons learned from development partners like Israel who have responded to water insecurity with technological innovation, remote sensors, smart pipes, machines that extract water vapor from the air, and desalination plants need to be explored. And maybe the most impressive technical statement came from the Ministry of Climate Change of the United Arab Emirates. It seeks to reduce our potable water consumption by 20% and to increase the reuse of treated water to 95%. The UAE is developing and scaling up independent water projects based on reverse osmosis, also known as RO technology, while expanding the share of clean and renewable energy in desalination. Agriculture accounts for 70% of all fresh water withdrawal globally. If we are to shift to a more sustainable pathway, innovation and effectiveness will be inevitable. The UAE has positioned itself at the forefront of climate-smart agriculture and food systems, driving the adoption of modern farming solutions such as optimized greenhouse design, hydroponics and vertical farms. Through the Agriculture Innovation Mission for Climate... I recorded eight hours of conference for this day one, so trust me, there's many more things I could share you here, 
But I want to be concise and to save your time, so let me do a very fast zapping between some of the clever ideas, and then I have a last top three to conclude. We now invite you to connect the pillars that bind us all. During the last five decades, the water availability per capita indicator declined by almost 2.5 times globally and by more than four times in some regions of the globe. We won't rest until water is given the place it rightly deserves on global agendas and policy programs. We simply cannot afford to wait another 46 years. We propose that the year 2024 should be made the International Year of Water for Life. The IPCC just released its latest report which states that Earth is likely to cross a critical threshold for global warming within the next decades. To promote water efficiency and the exploration of alternative water sources such as grey water recycling, rainwater harvesting, stormwater collection, saline water and wastewater utilization, thus reducing pressure on freshwater sources. We need to assemble legislative and enforcing public governance and private sector ingenuity. Stakeholders of diverse talents, ages and cultures can synergize the change we need. Namibia welcomes and supports the Continental Africa Water Investment Program, 30 billion US dollars annually in climate resilient water investment for Africa by 2030. May we all be united by water action. It means that water action is more than a catchy phrase but really a call to action to developed and developing countries. We want nature and all waters to be designated as legal entities. The water sector has the opportunity to lead change and deliver transformative solutions. I have another top three, the three most awkward or borderline moments of the day, and it starts with number three. Some countries are prouder of themselves than other countries. Can you guess which country this is? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan continues. Azerbaijan for Azerbaijan. 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 Azerbaijan has. Indeed, it was Azerbaijan. Who would have guessed? Number two. Okay, this one is much less funny, and it's about the geopolitical context. We've seen one part of it with the water diplomacy in the beginning. Here we are at the next step. When the topic is really loaded, you hear this kind of stuff. To Jordan and the Palestinians, to whom we give even more water than required under the Oslo agreements. Additional water quantities. This is the Palestinian water that is being stolen by Israel and reselling it to the Palestinian people. Cuba is facing unusual challenges due to its condition as a small island developing state and due to the criminal, economic, commercial and financial blockade imposed by the government of the United States. Ghana wishes to align itself with a statement delivered by the distinguished representative of Cuba speaking on behalf of the G77 and China. China stands ready to work with the international community under the guidance of President Xi Jinping's Global Development Initiative and Global Security Initiative. The United States is contributing up to $49 billion in investments to ensure that climate resilient water and sanitation 
remain a priority worldwide. 20% of my country is still occupied by Russia. Of course, I'm just scratching the surface here, because in terms of geopolitics, there would be much more to dig in and to try to understand all the subtext. I can just tell you that if you listen to the full statement from China, in my opinion, it is a masterclass of geopolitics. Everything is aligned exactly in the way you tell the story. Other good examples would be what Israel did or what Singapore did. So really, there is a lot of politics in this conference, but I'm a water guy, so I'm gonna stay with my water topic. And to me, the most awkward moment of the day is this one. May I take it that the conference wishes <coughs> to elect Bangladesh, Belize, Burundi, Colombia, Chile, Denmark, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iceland, Poland, Romania, the Russian Federation and Saudi Arabia as vice, vice presidents by acclamation. I hear no objection. Dare I say I'm surprised that Russia has been designed by acclamation as one of the vice presidents. I hope you appreciated this recap. If that's the case, please subscribe to this channel. As I record this, it is two in the morning and I still have some editing to do, so it would be a nice support for me and the channel. And it also ensures that you don't miss day two. If you're watching that in the future, the video is right here and I'll see you next time.